Hello, world! Welcome to the show. Today we have a big show. We talk about a whole friend of me, API management, and we have the full team with, with us. And for co-hosting that, that show, keeping me on track, I have Elizabeth. Welcome, Elizabeth. How are you? Hi, Frank. I'm doing well. <laughs> so you're also part of that team, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm a PM on the Azure API management team. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. And uh, can you tell us who came with you today? Yeah, so first up, I'm joined by Mike, who's another PM on our team. Hi, everyone. My name is Mike Buzinski. I'm a senior PM on the API management team. And uh, today I'll be presenting two segments to you. One Excellent. of the APIM and the other one about monitoring. Okay, cool. So two segments for you. Cool, cool. So who else was with us, Elizabeth? Yeah, so we also have John. John, can you tell us a little bit about what you'll be talking about? Yeah, hi, my name is John Scott, a cloud solution architect. And today I'll be talking about how to import APIs into API management and apply policies. Oh, that sounds interesting. <laughs> Who else is with us? Yeah, we've also got Steve. Yeah. Hi everyone, I'm Steve Leonard. I'm a digital and application innovation specialist based in the UK. And I'm going to be talking about how you can group your APIs into different products and then publish them in the developer portal and then continue. Cool. And with you, I think we have uh, Matthew also, correct? Yes. Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Matt Tunker. Uh, I'm a Cloud Solution Architect based out of the UK. And today I'm going to be talking about how you customize the API management developer portal. Looking forward to learn more about that. That looks all very interesting. Um, today, Zabet, uh, we start a new thing. At um, my camera is having fun with my my face today. Apparently, <laughs> I'm always out of focus. Um, we start a question of the day. So, uh, and that's a way for you to ask questions mm -hmm. to the audience. So, do you want to share that question? Yeah, so we have a question today, um, which you can answer in the chat and on Learn TV or anywhere you're watching from. Um, so our question is, which of the following best describes how your APIs are being implemented? So whether that's microservices hosted in Azure, serverless hosted in Azure, or other applications or other clouds or even on-premises. So we're just looking to kind of do a roll call of where everyone's coming from. Excellent, excellent. So that's the one question you ask for the audience, because this show is all about the audience asking you questions all along. So all along, we'll have demos for you watching. And then all the people you saw, they are now in the chat with you asking, uh, not asking, but answering your question. So feel free to go in the chat right now. Or if you're watching it in replay, ask in the comment. I will make sure to bring the question to them. Uh, so all that all along for the full hour, those people are in the chat and will answer your questions. Very excited. Like I mentioned, I did play a little bit with uh, API management before prior to join Microsoft, and we had a long, we had a lot of fun with it. It was it was a long time ago. It's not even inside the Azure portal. Uh, so like I'm very excited about today's episode. 
maybe we should start right away. So who's our first uh, speaker? Yeah, so we'll have Mike first. Um, he, a little while ago, met with Jason and recorded a demo. So we'll be kind of seeing what they got up to. Yeah, in this segment, we'll talk about what API management platforms and solutions are, why you should care about them, and why you should want to use them, and what is Azure API management in general. So I look forward to demonstrating some of the capabilities and also answering any questions you might have. Hi, Mike. Thanks for being here. What can you tell us about API management solutions and what we have to offer at Azure? Yeah, thanks for having me. Before I address that question, let me take a step back and talk about why we are talking about APIs today. So in the recent years, we've seen a proliferation of client applications and client devices. And of course, these are web applications, mobile applications, tablet applications, but also connected experiences like smartwatches, smart fridges, smart speakers, etc. And the proliferation of client applications and client devices led to proliferation of the backend services and data services that fulfilled certain business logic. And there is a disconnect between these two layers and APIs are the most common communication protocol for connected experiences and backend services and data services. So all the communication, most of the communication between these two layers happens for APIs. And that proliferation of APIs led to a problem around how can we manage all these APIs that we now have. And that prompted creation or proliferation of API management solutions. In general, API management solutions fulfill three different roles. First, API management solutions act as a facade. You can think of them as a wall in front of your backend services and all the client applications and client experiences and client devices see is just this wall and they don't see the backend services. And this is a very powerful concept because it allows you to decouple the lifecycle of the backend services from the lifecycle of the API surface. So you can release the backend services every day or every week and you can change the API surface only once a year. It also allows you to slice the backend services into microservices. So in case you have monolithic services, you can also aggregate microservices into more monolithic services. So that's a very, very powerful concept to have that wall in front of your backend services. The second role that API management solutions fulfill is the front door. When you have this wall, there is a door inside this wall and all the API requests and responses go through this door. And that allows you as an owner of the API management platform to observe all the traffic that goes between the client applications and the backend services, including requests and responses. And because you have access to all that traffic, you can manipulate it. So for example, you can set authentication and authorization policies to reject requests that aren't authenticated or aren't allowed to access certain uh, data. You can also transform the requests. You can convert them from XML to JSON. You can accelerate the requests with caching, etc. And also you can monitor and observe all the requests and see if there are any errors, if there are any problems, and uh, monitor the usage of your APIs. And the third role that those platforms fulfill is the frictionless consumption. So once you have all these APIs, 
could be just a few of them or could be thousands of them. You may want to publish those APIs to API consumers, application developers, so they can start building applications that rely on those APIs. And those application developers could be people within your own company, or it could be your partners, or it could be the general internet, general public that will be interested in using the APIs. And the platforms allow this consumption by creating self-serve onboarding experiences for API consumers. So it's very common that in the past, for example, if you had a partner that wanted to use your APIs, you would onboard that partner manually for a series of manual steps that, for example, start with an email and then you give them access or credentials and then they, they use those credentials, etc. So that's a very involved process. Nowadays, those partners can just go to a website and get the access automatically to the, all the APIs that you have or just certain APIs. Azure API Management is an API management solution inside the Azure ecosystem. It consists of three main components. The component that's in the top right corner is the management plane. It's exposed as an API, just like in all other Azure services. And you typically interact with it through Azure Portal, Visual Studio Code Extension, Azure CLI, PowerShell, or Client SDKs. This is the component where you, as an API provider, can configure all the APIs, can configure the service, monitoring, private networking, and all the other actions. The component to the bottom of it, the API gateway, is that door that we talked about. It serves all the API requests and responses from the client applications to the backend services. The backend services could be anywhere. They could be hosted in Azure. They could be hosted on-premises, or they could be hosted on other clouds. It doesn't really matter what kind of technology they're implemented in. There could be serverless, there could be microservices, there could be monolithic services. As long as they are exposed for HTTP endpoints, we are all good. And then the component in the top left corner is the developer portal. Developer portal allows API consumers to discover the APIs, learn how to use them, browse the API reference pages, test the APIs through the test console built into the website, create accounts, request access, and analyze the usage of the APIs. And when we talk about APIs, typically APIs go through several API lifecycle stages. The stages that we identify are the design, development, securing, publishing, scaling, monitoring, analyzing, and the circle never ends as long as the API evolves. API management platform assists you with all of these as API lifecycle stages. So we do offer a lot of capabilities for every stage of the API lifecycle. And today specifically, in the next three segments, we'll talk about API development and design. Then we'll talk about publishing the APIs to the developer portal. In the last third segment, we'll talk about monitoring and analyzing the API traffic in Azure API management. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Mike. This has been great, and I appreciate you taking the time. We'll see you later. Yeah, thank you very much. That was nice. That was nice. I like that. So now we understand why this is cool. But uh, a lot of question, a lot of time. The question I have is, can I try it for free? So is, is it possible? Yeah, that's a great question. You can try API management for free. So we offer the service in two different sets of service tiers. One service tier is the consumption tier, which is a serverless tier, just like Azure Functions, etc. And you can make I believe it's around 3 million calls for free per month. So we can use it for a variety of even serious applications. And the rest of the tiers, the dedicated tiers, come at a monthly cost. 
and they start with the developer tier, which is only meant for evaluations, and then they progress to basic, standard, and premium tiers. That's cool. That's cool. So people can try it and see now. At least don't like not be worried that you know like, what if I don't like it or for X reason now they can try it and like they just pay for what they use right? consumption. So that's that's pretty nice. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so uh, the chat is a little bit quiet. So quiet. So don't hesitate if you have any question, ask in the comments if you're watching the replay. Like I said, I will bring those questions to uh, to those expert. So Elizabeth, do you have any questions to ask? Yeah, so I think one good question is who actually uses Azure API management for their APIs? Um, and do you have any success stories that maybe we can share with the audience? Yeah, so in terms of who uses Azure API management uh, with regards to companies that use Azure API management, we have a lot of customers that use Azure API management. It's a mature service that has been around for many years now over five years in production. And all the customer stories are uh, present at the uh, Microsoft website. So you can explore all the customer stories from large enterprises uh, to small companies and from very serious applications for, for example, implementing internal API catalogs within the company to more, for example, applications related to mobile and web development for you front those applications of Azure API management. Excellent, excellent. Uh, apparently there's some question people are typing now, but uh, I have maybe one good question for you. Uh, so let's say someone is just getting started, where they can learn and, and get more familiar with what's available. Absolutely, so there are two main resources that I can recommend. The first one is our documentation on Microsoft Docs. This documentation includes around, I believe, 10 tutorials that you can follow through uh, from one to 10 in, the, in that order. And it takes you from the very basic concepts of importing your first API to more advanced actions that you want to perform on the API management service. And another resource are the Microsoft Learn modules where you can explore uh, some topics deeper and also follow the steps and use the resources that are part of those training modules. And the links to those are available in the notes for the show. Excellent. I'll make sure it's available. And you know what? I'm adding them because while you're answering, thank you. I, I found them, so I put them now in the chat. So everybody now have access. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So we still have uh, about uh, one minute, one minute and a half. For, do you have any other questions, Elizabeth? Yeah, so I saw in the chat that there's some folks working on migration. Um, so I'm wondering kind of what does API management provide to work in hybrid and multi-cloud environments? Excellent question. So typically in the past, the hybrid environment in API management meant that you had a private network and you reached out to the backend services uh, that are on-premises, for example, in other clouds through VPN or Express Route. Uh, a year, two years ago, we released the self-hosted API gateway, which now lets you provision the API gateway component in other environments, for example, on-premises or in other clouds, and it's just a Docker container image that you can run, for example, on Kubernetes. And that allows you to keep all the API traffic from client applications to backend services within the boundaries of those environments. So it's a great tool for extending your architectures to hybrid and multi-cloud. 
Thank you. And uh, Elizabeth, I think the next speaker coming up was also kind of presenting a tool where we can import API or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, I think up next is John, who's gonna, he can talk a little bit more about it, but um, I believe it's about importing APIs and adding policies. Hey, Elizabeth, yep, that's correct. Cool, well, let's jump on into the video then. So John, why developer should care about the API management? API management provides a really nice way to uh, separate your front ends from your uh, back end services that are actually hosting the API. And so what this does is it makes it a lot easier to uh, maintain your services, revise your services, version your, your APIs. And uh, then you can also control the behavior of the APIs themselves through the use of uh, policies, which are really powerful. Um, so by doing this, you can essentially uh, separate your uh, your API lifecycle from what your consumers are, are seeing. So, uh, you know, this might take the form of, say, you want to take a monolithic API and move it to a uh, Kubernetes microservice. Your consumers of your API might not even notice that that this is happening on the back end. Okay, that's cool. Uh, so it's easier and everything. It doesn't mean... Can we see a demo about how we could do that? Like, how can we experience that? Yeah, absolutely. So I just happen to have one set up here. Um, so when you so right the, now we are where? We are in the Azure portal in? We're in the Azure portal inside an API management instance. Uh, specifically right here, this is the, the uh, blade where you would define a new API. And you can define a new API. You could you could start here and just start defining a, a blank API here and put down you know what the API looks like to the the front end callers and then define the the uh, back end services. But we also provide a lot of ways that you can do this through specifications such as Open API, uh, Waddle or WSDL specifications. We also uh, can create. APIs from an Azure resource, a Logic App, is let's say you have an API uh, hosted on an app service or through a function app. Uh, and a couple of things to, to note here, we do have WebSocket API support in preview and coming very soon is GraphQL uh, API support. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of cool. excitement there. <laughs> yeah. So, so those those import tools, I mean, like it should be way much faster now to uh, you know, bring some API in the uh, API management system. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'll show you how quick this could be here uh, with function app. So I have a simple function app set up. It's literally a hello world function app with a, a couple different functions in it. And so when I click on this, it's going to bring up this window here and it's going to ask me to browse for this. Now I can browse for any function app that, you know, I can, I have access to. And as you see here, I have a APM Hello World function app set up uh, in Azure. So I'll go ahead here and select this. And here it shows me my two methods. I have a Hello World method that's a post and a get worlds uh, function uh, that's just a get call. So we'll go ahead and start that. And it allows me here, I can change the display name and the suffix within my service if I need to. Um, but you know, overall, we're, we'll just take the the basics here and say, go ahead and create this. Keep it simple for the demo. 
keep it simple for the demo. And so but it's always and, nice to see that, you know, there's flexibility over there if you want to change stuff as your import. Absolutely. And so as you can see here, it, it you know picked up those operations within the, the function app, the hello world and the get world. Um, and so really where the power of API management comes is, is within policies. And as, as I said before, policies are a way that you can uh, change the behavior of the API, uh, manipulate the, the incoming request, uh, manipulate the outgoing response, uh, implement, say, uh, JWT tokens uh, on the front end to, to make sure that, you know, your callers are, uh, you know, who, who you think they are. And then uh, there are over 50 built-in policies right now for API management. So there's a lot of functionality there, but you can also uh, do some some really neat stuff with uh, with custom code where you can uh, essentially write your own policies. And I'm assuming now you will you will show us exactly how we can do that, adding policies. Yes, um, and one thing to note also about policies is they can be scoped at basically an all API level. So every every API within uh, API management. Uh, would run the same policies. It could be scoped at the product level. Products are basically a collection of APIs that you publish to consumers. They can be done um, at the operation level, um, so each one of these, or at the the level of the the API that we imported. So at the, this API hello world. So it's kind of you can you can get you know either very global or very um, granular with with applying the policies. Oh, that's wonderful. So I'm going to go in here to the hello world and I am going to create a policy here. Now this is the policy editor. You also have the opportunity here to just uh, add a policy uh, without going into the editor and it will just give you a, a list of some of the, the common policies. We're just going to go in here to the policy editor and I'm going to create a simple policy called a rate limit by IP. Um, now, the rate limit uh, policy, the purpose of it is if you have a caller, you don't want the caller to um, maybe overrun your API, call it you know thousands of times uh, a minute. So you're going to um, limit the number of calls that they can make just to, to protect your API. Okay. And I'm going to set it to something pretty low here. I'm going to say it's going to we're going to allow one call per 60 seconds and I'm just going to set a counter key of one here. So now what we're going to do is go into our test and this test here uh, allows us to test the API. Mm -hmm. and I'm going to add this here and you see I get a 200 okay. However, said I get one of these per second. Now I get an error here of 429 too many requests. So that's essentially how a policy works in API management. And now with that, you could put it like global, say I want some kind of security or need to pass a key or whatever, or like very, very specific on a, on a specific call. Correct. That's wonderful. Well, thank you, John. And now we'll see the question from the chat. Okay. Thank you. That was nice. I forgot to tell you when you were uh, demoing, uh, John, but I really like that name, Hello World. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a 
convenient. It was a good good name for this show. Absolutely. Elizabeth, I will let you start with the questions. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, John, for that demo and kind of showing how the policies work. Um, you showed a rate limit policy, but I'm wondering what other policies can customers use to secure their APIs? Well, as I said in the demo, you know, there's there's over 50 different policies and some of the kind of the categories, you know, access restriction, authentication policies, caching policies. Uh, I think I saw a question in the chat about, you know, if caching is one of the, the tools we can use and absolutely. Uh, we have cross domain policies, transformation policies, uh, you know, something that's, you know, somewhat new is uh, Dapper integration policies. So. Uh, you know, if anyone's been uh, playing with the Dapper framework um, that's supported within an API management uh, validation policies and then advanced policies, advanced policies can go in a lot of different directions. And, and I kind of alluded to that in the demo that, uh, you know, you can you can get pretty, um, you know, fancy with these. You can, you know, start writing some inline code inside the policy editor or, uh, you know, even even step out to some other. Uh, API to to assist in the control flow, or you know, say if you wanted to do a transform that was somewhat customer or something, you could you could do that outside of uh, you know API management and something else, but still, you know, all within uh, controlled within API management. Very interesting. Uh, we have a question from the chat. Uh, is asking what does the counter key attribute do? I'm assuming it's related to the demo you are doing. Yeah, so the the counter key um, essentially it's the the policy itself is a rate limit by key, and so um, the 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 key can be you know a number of, of things, and and for the purposes of the demo, you put in the number one, and it essentially uh, you know rate limits your your test. Okay, cool. Any other question? Do you see anything, Elizabeth, on your side? Trying to. Yeah, so um, I don't see anything necessarily in the chat, but um, you showed specifically um, using a function app, importing a function app in API management. Um, what other Azure services can you um, kind of import to API management? So yeah, you know, you, know, you could do a uh, logic app. Uh, if you had some logic app stood up, um, it will, uh, and that's a nice front end to put in front of the logic app, uh, as well as you know anything that's an API application hosted on an app service, um, which, you know, could be, again, just about about anything. And then, uh, you know, it's really nice too if, if those APIs are uh, fronted as, you know, in say an open API Swagger uh, specification, you can, um, you know, pull those in uh, as well. I like that. Uh, trick question for you, uh, John. So is there a limit of how many policies you can add in in APIM, in API uh, management? No, there's a, there's no uh, limit, no, there's no hard limit in the system. Um, but like, you know, you, the policies are, you know, in effect running some, some sort of code. And so, you know, at the end of the day, if you're, you know, if your policy is uh, doing quite a bit of work, it's going to have a, a uh, you know, impact to performance as, as you'd expect running any, any code in your, in your process. Yeah, it makes sense. So there's no limit, but then like if you make your like your resources work super hard to process all those policies, then you slow down your response time or whatever. Correct. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. That's good. Uh, many time. Ah, we're a little bit short. We'll continue. I see question in the chat, so John will continue to answer your question in the chat. I just want to bring back the question of the day that the API management team want to know 
about you. So which of the following best describe how your APIs are implemented? So we have microservices in Azure or serverless in Azure, uh, hosted, something else like a web app in Azure or hosted in another cloud or on-prem. So let us know. You can answer in the chat by one, two, three, four, five, and we'll be super happy with that. And in, in comment also is really good. But now it's time for our uh, duo for the third presentation. Yeah, so I'm gonna bring back Mike and Steve, um, if they could introduce themselves and kind of talk about what they're gonna talk about next. So Matt, Matt, and I think we, yeah. There. There we go. <laughs> uh, Steve Leonard, um, I'm a digital application innovation specialist in the UK, and I'm gonna be talking about publishing your APIs into the developer portal. Wonderful, and Matt? Hi everyone, I'm Matt Patunka. I'm a cloud solution architect out of the UK. I spend a lot of time helping customers with API management. Excellent. So you know what? You met with uh, Laurent, I think, uh, last yeah, week. Yeah, we're going to talk about developer portal. With Laurent, right? You did some recording last week, so let's let's watch this uh, discussion. So Matt and Steve, what is a dev portal and who is it for? It's a good question. First and foremost, it's for application developers who want to use the APIs. They want to discover them. They want to be able to learn how to use them and be able to test them. Mm, I see. So how does it benefit my business if I'm a customer? So I think the value really lies here in the ability to be able to create that self-service onboarding for new consumers. Mm -hmm. So as a business, you can really scale your customer base and it enables you to reach new audiences and create new revenue streams, really. Okay, I see. That okay, sounds great. That sounds so great. how do I get so started I get using started it and how can I customize it? Well, the well, developer the portal developer contains portal a lot of kind of predefined content um, and it's got a nice drag and drop interface. Instead of me telling you, let's show you. So I'm going to go from the Azure portal and I'm going to go and load up the developer portal. And you'll see when it loads, it's branded with the default content, which is the Contoso. Now we want to make that look like our Fabricam brand. And we're going to start by uploading some images from my local machine. Grab these nice images and these logos. And then we're going to make use of them on the page using the built-in editors. We're going to start with changing the background image to this nice car image. And then we're going to change the logo go and now we're going to use some of the built-in text editors to remove some of this text because we're, we're going to rely on the branding that we have from the logo so we're going to get rid of this welcome to contoso and then the subtitle and then some of the built-in sections here we're going to remove because they're not relevant for us it's also worth pointing out we could also add in new ones if we wanted as well there we go and then finally we're just going to make a slight amendment to the text just to show that we can add and change things in that on that page. And then we'll save. And now we'll move over to the default template, which is the template that's going to be used for all our other pages. And we'll just change that logo. Save again. And then we're going to move on to our styling page. And the styling controls kind of all the things 
that make the look and feel of the page of all of our pages and we're going to change some of these blues i'm going to turn those into blacks just to bring it in line with that lovely car picture we had earlier so we'll do that one and then that one and one more <clears throat> save again and now if we publish that page and jump back to our home page we can see that those changes have been reflected straight away and at this point i've not had to write a single line of code to get to this stage all right well that was very interesting to see and like you said no code right so if i'm creating apis how do they show up in the portal and how do developers actually use them okay i can take this one so to enable apis to be consumed in the developer portal api management supports this concept of a product Products give API publishers the ability to bundle multiple APIs together. So taking a look at our demo here, we've defined a single product called Unlimited, and we've exposed it to the administrator and developer user groups. These are built-in user groups that come with API management, and the developer user group contains all of the API consumers that have created an account in the dev portal. And of course, I can create other custom user groups if I want to control the visibility of my APIs and products. So let's step into the product settings. We can see the product's already been published, but I can still make changes to it. So for example, I can choose to unpublish it, or I can decide whether a subscription is required to access the APIs, or maybe whether new subscri subscription requests for that product need to be approved by an admin. I could also specify legal terms and conditions for all new subscriptions and enforce things like subscription count limits. So for example, each customer can only have one. So looking at this car accessories API, it's been added to the product called Unlimited and we'd pre previously chosen that that product was only available to the admin and developer user groups, but not guests. So this means it's not currently visible to me as I'm not logged into the developer portal yet. So let's log in and see if we can see these APIs. Okay, so now that I'm logged in, I can actually now see this API reference page for the Get Accessories operation. So this page contains all of the information about the requests, the parameters, and the response parameters needed. And there's also a built-in test console that now allows me to interactively use and try out that API. Now, in this instance, we've actually secured the API with a JOT token. So to test it, I'm actually going to need to obtain a JOT token from an external provider, which we've already configured. So in this case, I'm going to use Auth0, and I'm just going to sign into my Google account. And what the test console is going to do is it's going to obtain that JOT key, and then it automatically puts it into the request headers for me. So there, it's in the headers, and now I can actually go and make a call to the API and we can see that it returns a status code 200. What I can also do is get code examples for how to consume my API in many different languages, and this can help me build client applications from these examples. So now let's navigate over to the profile page. Here in my profile page, I can manage access to all of my products, my subscriptions, I can change my details and so on. And there's also a reports page and it's a little empty right now and that's because i haven't used the apis but it shows information about my api usage 
So for example, all the APIs that I'm calling, how much data they've transferred, the response times I'm getting for those calls, and this aggregates across all of the products, the subscriptions, APIs, and operations that I've used. All right, that sounds really interesting. So thank you so much for thank demonstrating, so much for that, demonstrating to that to us, and we'll go back to the studio now. That was a little bit of echo, but they are fine. <laughs> That's life. <laughs> um, so where people can get started and learn more about how to customize their uh, their portal? I mean, there are some excellent courses on Microsoft Learn um, that are worth looking at, and I'm sure you've got links somewhere for, for people. Yeah. Uh, and as Mike said earlier, the official docs are an excellent place to get started on that. Wonderful. We'll make sure we share all that in the show notes. Excellent. Uh, I saw some question people were asking the difference between app service and web app in the chat. So I was already answer. So one is like the platform and the other one is uh, one entity hosted in that platform. So that was good. Uh, any other stuff I missed, Elizabeth, that you see? Um, yeah, so um, I guess I have a question for me. Um, so you showed kind of different ways to um, customize the portal. Is there any way to kind of um, add extra custom functionality or integrate with a support system? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so by default, we're going to provide that portal for you. Um, and when we provide that portal for you, you are going to be limited to that nice drag and drop interface. There's another option there to provide what's called the self-hosted developer portal. And all the code for it is hosted in GitHub. And you fork that code and then deploy that to your own hosting environment, at which point you're now responsible for maintaining that code and providing the updates for it. Um, but you can then customize that to your heart's content. Great. Uh, one that I remember we had a lot of uh, fun with that possibility. So. Um, when you have multiple APIs, uh, is there any way you could bundle them, like put them together, kind of uh, reshape your offer? Yeah, certainly. So that's kind of what we showed it with one in the demo that I did there, something called products. So it gives you a, the ability to bundle multiple APIs together, and then you can apply policies at that level and you can manage the subscriptions and you can monitor them at that, that product level. So it gives you that kind of um, high level abstraction to bundle multiple APIs together and, and uh, allow them to be consumed by developers. Great, great. So like there's, like you, you have the full freedom to apply and like pack, rebundle re them the way you want. Yeah, and you can put APIs into multiple products as well. So a, a product can have multiple APIs, but an API could belong to multiple products. So it's kind of a, a many to many type thing. That's great. So like now you're offering a very nice portal for other developers so they can build stuff. So I'm assuming there's a way to make money with that. There's a way to monetize that. Yeah, should we bring Mike in on that one to answer that? <laughs> can we bring Mike? Hello, Mike. Yes, hi. <laughs> Did you Sorry, hear Mike. my question? Uh, yes, I was replying to questions on YouTube. Uh, the question is about monetizing, right? We, yes. in fact, just uh, published new documentation on monetization Azure API management. So you can take a look at that. It's on Microsoft Docs. And it also includes a link to the GitHub repository 
uh, which contains a sample app that you can use to provision to integrate with uh, payment providers like Stripe. So yeah, so take a look at that. And we're also working on more documentation on this topic. Uh, we are going to publish a set of videos to walk you through this process as well, hopefully within the next few weeks. Excellent, pretty cool. Well, thank you guys for the, this demo and all those questions. I will let you get back to the chat answering more questions. I see a lot of activity over there, but we need to continue. And right now, it's uh, I met a few days ago with Diego for another Diego's Wall. And it's very interesting. So let's watch this discussion. Diego, the floor is yours. Hello, Frank, and hello, world. This is Diego broadcasting live from my office in Seattle. I am surrounded, as you know, by these walls that I use to nurture my own sense of wonder, but also to share it with others, with you. And today, I actually want to share a post from the world related to my favorite hobby, which is cycling, something I've been doing. This is my bicycle right here, <laughs> since I was a kid. And this is a post that was given to me by a colleague named Steve Clayton. And it's actually a diagram of a peloton. And for those of you who don't know, a peloton is the structure that the cyclists use on the formation that they use when they're running a race. But to show you the actual data around this, let, let's put the image on the screen. Uh, so this was an experiment that I want to share with you done in a university in the Netherlands where they created a 3D model of an actual peloton of cyclists and they run wind with the wind turbines and they measure how much drag each cyclist is taking. So how much resistance of the wind each cyclist needs to, needs to fight uh, so compared to if the, if the rider was riding alone. So as you can see right here in, in the front, the, right, the cyclist that is at the very front is taking 80% of wind drag. That's a lot. Uh, but if you look at a couple cyclists back, back, it's at 35. And you go a little bit back, it's at 18. And you go at the very back of the peloton and it's just 4%, so virtually no wind. So this means that, the, that the, the, the rider at the front is actually making more than 70% the effort, uh, more than, than someone uh, in the middle of the peloton. And this is why races are won and lost by how they manage the peloton. You know, the, the way it works is that it, cycling is a team sport and the teams actually take turns going, switching from the front to the back so they can manage their energy. Sometimes there's a rider that wants to outrun the peloton and they go at the very front, uh, but then the peloton almost always catches up with them, you know. Now, you may ask, why am I bringing this story here, Frank? Yes, <laughs> it relates to Microsoft tech industry because we are in a world where we need to do radical innovation. Innovation in, in software, but also sometimes innovation in our culture. And when you're leading the charge on transformational work, you are kind of like the cyclist in the front. And if you are leading the charge for a long time, you're actually taking a lot of resistance from the system. Companies have resistance to, to change, just like, just like human beings. Uh, and if you do that for a long time, you can burn out. This is something that actually I experienced. And I learned that you have to design that teamwork to take turns taking on the heat of the, on the resistance and, and leading the charge. Sometimes you even need to actually collaborate with rivals, which is something that, that, that cyclists do in races. Am I making sense so far, Frank? Awesome. <laughs> okay, good. Excellent. So I guess what I want to say to you is there are times to be in the front and lead the charge and take on that 
drag, that heat, that wind, that resistance. And there are times to go back to the middle of the peloton and coast a little bit so you can recharge energies. You have to manage that. And you have to have a team of people that can take turns doing it. And sometimes I see the tech industry collaborating with, right? I see Microsoft collaborating with other big tech companies, normally competitors on things like diversity and inclusion or security or how to how are we dealing with the pandemic things that are for the greater good that go beyond competition so you know check yourself every day and say am i at my best am i fresh can i take on front and keep fighting the good fight or do i need to take a step back and let some of my teammates lead for a while and that's how you win the race uh, I hope that this is a fun story that some of you can relate and I'm glad to be back. I'll have more for you next time. Wonderful. Thank you. I can definitely relate. So very happy to have you on the show again. See you next time. You know, nobody can lead for a long time alone. That's kind of what I want to say, Frank. Like you cannot lead alone for a long time. You need a team and you need to take turns leading. In the end, it's the only way to outrun the peloton. Excellent. <laughs> See you next time. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I like this guy. Like you could see his passion. At some point, he's yeah. not even looking at the camera. He's talking to me like, Frank, this is what I want you to understand. Yeah, it's always awesome to hear from Diego. Yeah, he was actually the in charge of the intern program when I was an intern at Microsoft. So it's always great to get, how, get inspiration from him. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So um, I should, uh, I should you know, apply what he, he was sharing and that you take the lead to announce the next speaker. Yeah, definitely. So right now we're going to bring Mike back. Um, he's going to give us a look into some observability. Mike, do you want to talk a little bit about what you're going to see? Yeah, hi again. Uh, in this segment, we'll talk about monitoring your APIs. So how do you observe your APIs in your API management? And why would you care about observing your APIs? So I'm excited to show you and demonstrate to you how to do that. So Mike, why is it important for us to monitor our APIs? That's a great question. In this episode, we'll talk about why you should monitor your APIs and how we see monitoring the APIs. And specifically, when you think about monitoring the APIs. Sorry about that. It's the wrong video. Whoops. Well, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry about that. That's my fault. I uploaded the, the wrong video. Um, okay. Uh, do you want to talk about, like, can I take you on the spot and just talk about observability without your slide, uh, Mike? Can you do yeah, that? Let me, <laughs> sorry uh, about that. Definitely. So there is a few ways to observe APIs and API management, and we categorize them into two sources of insights. One is for business users, how you can get insights into how you run your API programs. Maybe you want to track some KPIs, report the success of your API program to the management. For example, how many active subscriptions there are, how many users is your APIs, what's the total number of the API calls, etc. And the second category of insights are the engineering insights where you can observe your APIs, see all the errors that are happening live, all the failures, and try to debug and troubleshoot the problems maybe see the metrics and based on those metrics make informed decisions like scaling out your API management service. So for the first category of insights, for the business insights, we have the built-in API reports, which allow you to investigate uh, your APIs and all the traffic 
and aggregated by certain dimensions. For example, how many calls have been made per API in the recent seven days or 30 days? How many calls have been made per certain user? What sort of client geographies are the API calls coming from? Are they coming from Asia, Europe, or certain countries, like for example, Japan, India, Australia, etc. For uh, other um, business insights, you can also use Azure Monitor Logs and Azure Monitor Metrics. So Azure Monitor Logs provide you with a much more flexibility where you can write advanced post-op queries to aggregate and filter and group your logs uh, into more advanced insights than what we provide as part of the built-in API reports. For the engineering insights, this is where you will typically use Azure Monitor Metrics, for example. And there is a metric that we expose, which is called capacity metric. It informs you how busy the API management service is processing all the requests and responses. For example, if the capacity metric is at around 80%, you want to scale out to make sure that you're able to serve all the API calls. Uh, apart from that, you can also use application insights. Application insights allow you, allows you to investigate all your requests and responses in very you know, deep manner. So you can see the headers. If you log them, you can see the requests and responses payloads. If you log them, you can see all the exceptions that are being thrown by uh, API management service, the backend service, or where the requests fail. It also allows you to correlate all the requests from the client applications to the backend devices end-to-end through the distributed tracing. So you can see an application map all of your systems and investigate where the failures, where the failures have happened and what are the latencies introduced by each system. And yeah, and these are the main ways to observe your APIs for Azure Application Insights. Keep in mind that there might be some performance reduction the more information you log, so you can set something. For example, you can log 10% of requests and to log every failure just to make sure that you have insights into the failures. Yeah, because just like policy previously, if you log too much, then you need to take a lot of space and energy to analyze everything, right? Yeah, uh, we provide you with a lot of these ways and it's up to you to choose the right way to see what you want to see. And also if none of these ways also uh, matches your requirements, you can also use the log to event hub policy to forward certain you know, like selected data, whatever you want to forward, to Event Hub and then consume it from Event Hub. And that can be used, for example, for integration of third-party monitoring solutions. Yeah, of course. Oh, that's cool. So like even third-party could be used to monitor and observe everything you want. Absolutely. Our goal is to make it as easy as possible for you, but also as flexible as possible. That's really interesting. So it's very flexible. And like if like the company I'm working for were used to different tools and like we can bring them and, and still use that. That's very convenient. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. Although it is much simpler to use Azure solutions, like Azure monitoring, the application insights, but you can definitely integrate with external solutions as well. Yeah, no, like everything when it's like embedded, it's obviously easier, but you know, sometimes where like people are hesitant so like they feel more comfortable getting in with something they know. So they could start with that or they could try it so that Having options is always a good thing. Well, that's good. I see the chat. And by the way, Mike, you're a super pro. I put it in the chat and was like, wow, this guy is awesome. Just jump and like share everything. 
That was perfect. So the chat, there's a lot of questions. Did you see anything, Elizabeth? Because I was focusing at kind of not looking too bad. <laughs> yeah, so there's some questions that look like got answered. I don't see anything particularly related to observability. Um, well, maybe you like can then bring a question that was asked uh, not related to observability since Mike is yeah. the man. Yeah, so there's one from Art um, about what's the recommendation for handling multiple environments, for example, like production, um, and then creating multiple API management services. Yeah, so the recommendation is to separate your environments into separate API management services. So you will have one service per environment, or you can also have as many services as you want, specifically for developing environments, because that makes a lot of sense to be able to allow uh, many API development teams work sort of in parallel in their own environments and then propose changes to be merged to the higher environments, like the testing environment, staging environment, and production environment. For the uh, development environments, we recommend using the developer tier service, which comes at a very low cost uh, compared to the premium tier service, while for the production environment, of course, we recommend using the uh, production level service, which could be basic standard premium or consumption, depending on your use case. We also offer a DevOps resource suite, which allows you to easily migrate APIs from one environment to another environment. And I can send the link to the documentation just after this segment. And another thing I will add to uh, the show notes, I see the link showing up in the down, down, down below is that famous recording we missed. I will make sure to publish it and put the link in the show notes so people can see because with your slide and everything, it was it was very clear also. A question I have, so that, you know, all that data we have, uh, like we can see it in Azure portal, but can, I, can we export it? And like, you know, if we wanna share that with uh, our manager and, and others. Yes, uh, you can. So uh, specifically the API reports, which I think you might need here, the built-in functionality that allows you to uh, investigate, you know, for example, aggregate number of API calls per user, per subscription, or per product. You can view that in the Azure portal, but you can also export it via a REST API call and, of course, client SDKs that we that integrate with the Azure Resource Manager APIs. And once you export it, you can, for example, use Excel to you know, surface the data. So it's fully flexible. You can also make backups if you want to export it. Uh, but we also allow allow you to easily access it in the Azure Portal interface. Wonderful. Or you know, you mentioned Excel, but probably Power Apps also. You know, Power BI. I mean, to make like super yeah. magic chart. <laughs> I love Power BI. I don't know if it it shows. <laughs> <laughs> Any other questions, Elizabeth, in the chat, or um, like maybe that that you think about? Yeah, so um, Mike, you mentioned specifically like Azure Monitor metrics. Um, I'm wondering if there's any way to automate workflows and processes based on events um, in Azure API management. Yeah, so there are two ways in uh, you may want why you may want to automate certain events uh, or certain workflows and processes. The first way is, for example, when something is happening to API management service and you want to, let's say, auto-scale your API management service. So for that, you would use Azure Monitor metrics. And that's the metric that I told you about just a few minutes ago, which is the capacity metric that allows you to monitor the capacity of the API management service. And with Azure Monitor, you can set an alert if that metric exceeds certain threshold for a given amount of time. 
and you can uh, you know, receive a text message or an email and uh, manually scale your API management service. Or you can scale your API management service automatically because we also support that scenario. So completely without any interruption from your side. For the second category of automations, we also just announced integration of Azure Event Grid, where you can subscribe to events that we emit to Azure Event Grid. Like for example, a user has signed up to the developer portal or uh, API has been updated or a subscription has been updated. And based on those events, you can automate certain workloads and process. For example, with Azure Logic Apps that will consume those events from Event Grid. Uh, I have a question. So briefly, we have about 30 seconds. So since APIM, API management is region-based, uh, is there a recommendation to use uh, Azure Front Door? Uh, it is a common scenario to use Azure Front Door or use Azure Application Gateway in front of API management service. You can also distribute your API gateways across the globe. So your primary API gateway and managed API gateway is in the primary region, but you can also scale it out, for example, secondary regions and as many regions as you want within Azure. Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, before we bring back everybody, I want to bring the question of the day one more time because that's the team that so generously share, answer all your questions. That's what they are interested to know. So which of your following describe the best how your API are implemented? Is it in Azure with microservices, serverless, or other host application, or maybe it's host in another cloud, or maybe you're running on-prem. So let us know in the chat, in the comment, depending on where you're watching that. It's really important for them, so please answer. And let now bring everybody back to the screen. So, whoop, that's just me. Everybody else, what's happening? There it is. Voila, excellent. So. You see their Twitter account just there, so feel free to ping them and ask them more questions because now the show is mostly finished. All the show notes will be updated with the URL, the learning path, the tutorial, the missing video, and I will be back tomorrow for another episode of the Word. But for today, that's it. So bye-bye, everybody. Have a good day. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.